This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Coming to you from a beautiful private sandstone room here at Kingsley's Australian Steakhouse, King Street in Sydney. On the show, Stu Gregor, co-founder of Four Pillars, an award-winning gin business, now number one craft business in Australia. And Michael O'Loughlin, a former professional AFL footballer, playing 303 games for the Sydney Swans and kicking 521 goals. Let's get started. the show today, Stewie Gregor, a PR communications and marketing specialist, Guru. spending the last 20 years in the drinks business. He's the former CEO and founder of a leading PR agency called Liquid Ideas. He's a co-founder of Four Pillars, an award-winning gin business, now the number one craft gin business in Australia. Mate. Correct. Well done. Ah, thank and you. he's now also the president of the Australian Distillers Association. And on top of all that, he was a sports nut. So welcome, Stu. Great to be here, oh, Shane. Oh, great and, and Mickey O'Loughlin, mate, what a good bloke this bloke is. Uh, a former professional AFL footballer playing 303 games for the Sydney Swans, kicking 521 goals. He's a two-time All-Australian, winning his first ever premiership for the Swans in 2005 and post-career has launched the Goods O'Loughlin Foundation, focusing on education, employment and healthy lifestyles. Their mission is to develop and empower the next generation of Indigenous role models in Australia. So welcome, Mickey. Oh, Mickey, oh. Thank yeah, you. Beautiful, boys. Yeah. Please stop the applause. Just, uh... <laughs> you know you're doing it yourself, yeah. don't you? <laughs> now, now before, before I put you two together, I didn't realise you both were actually neighbours. Yes. We, yes, wow. Well, we were. We were. <laughs> we're. Someone got post-nob and uh, moved, yeah. to, moved to Bronte? Or yeah, Bronte? Tamarama. 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 We were the roots of Rosebery, weren't we? We were, we were in Rosebery before Rosebery became cool. <laughs> we were the Berry cool. Boys. Yep. The Berry Brothers. And then I got all I, – I went all fancy only a few weeks ago, actually, and moved down to the beach because, you, know, you know, I've become – I can't well, wait I'm a rich and famous bar owner, mate. Yes. So we, we live, well we live done, down the mate. beach now. But Rosebery – mate, it's a great place to live, isn't it? I mean, I was there um, for the 10 years and you've been there about the same, right? Yeah, just under, but um, amazing. I it's can't great wait. when you don't get a parking fine out the front of your own house during the Australian Open Ooh. Golf because we are both right adjacent to the Australian Golf. It's very touchy, that, that subject, mate. <laughs> that was very, very touchy. So, Stu, like – the four pillar story—it's an amazing story, and we'll get to that. But you know the old saying: "Find a passion, make it your job, and you'll never work another day in your life." And you've done that, mate. So, how'd the whole four pillars thing start? Oh, look, it started out of um, actually. Well, we were talking about sports. So, my business partner in Four Pillars is an ex-Olympic athlete. So, right. a guy called Cameron McKenzie, one of my best mate, and uh, he and I were making pretty average gin together when I was living in Melbourne. So, from from the mid nineties <laughs> to the what we did, we, we made average wine and drank a lot of good gin. So now we make good gin and drink a lot of actually really good wine. <laughs> yes. So we've we've definitely upgraded. But Cam and I, he came to work for me in nineteen. It's a, actually a funny story talking about sport. He, he came to work for me in nineteen ninety nine. He was on Olympic scholarship because he'd run in Atlanta in the 400 metres, in the 4x4, and he was, he was earmarked to run in the 2000 Olympics in the, in the 4x4 men's relay as well. And he used to train with Freeman. So Freeman was one of his best mates. I was, yeah. you know, I danced with Freeman at his wedding and all that sort of stuff, and she's, she was, he used to train with her all the time. And then um, he came to work for me in 1999 when I was running a, a small wine business. I was sort of the communications guy at a small wine business, a big wine business called Mildara Blass, which is now Treasury Wine Estate. So, you know, it was, it was Wolf Blass and Jamison's Run and Yellow mm. Glen and all those big, big brands back then. And he reckons it was the day that his athletics career went from being on a great incline to doing going to his second Olympics and to his booze career going up. So it hit some kind of, you know, X, X point. And I took him out to lunch on the first day he came to work for me and it was the first training session he'd ever missed. 
Wow. So, because the only good thing I was at was was lunch, which yeah. is obviously why I'm here today. Distracting. And he missed the Olympics by one spot by oh, like a tenth geez. of a second. So they took five for the relay. Oh. Right, so they take the first guy who's going to run individual plus four for the relay. He ran sixth, misses out by a tenth of the second. And then I felt so, honestly, so guilty and for so the last should. 20 years. So <laughs> ruining his Olympic dream, so two should. consecutive Olympics. He says with a grin on his face. <laughs> I'll buy him a distillery one day and I'll make him happy. But I tell you what, he's won more gold medals making gin than he ever was going to running. Let Fantastic. me tell you. Yep. Um, he, was never going to, he was never going to be. Mate, he ran against Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. Mate, he was on the same track just Right, you can see there's footage of him in the 96 Olympics. <laughs> you can see Michael Johnson is 300 metres in front of him. Was <laughs> it true? Now, I believe you were a GPS 100-metre champion. You won, but... Believe it or not, but, and, but, two, but, and, but, and 200. If you and 200, but yeah. is, it, is it true that the... F- there were five faster runners, but they're all injured. <laughs> that, is that true? According to I'm Michael Johnson, I'm not going to pretend that I don't know who your source <laughs> is. So this is from Junior, is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah, well, Junior yeah. and I, and that's actually how I got my introduction to the Swans because you know Junior's dad, Senior, one of the um, bought, bought the Swans in the early '90s, obviously, and I became a pretty pretty big fan because I was at school with Michael Willisy. Yeah, look, a couple. I did. I'm the Stephen Bradbury of uh, schoolboy <laughs> athletics, mate. Everyone <laughs> fell over, but you know what? You've got to turn up, and you've still got to win. And I did. I won the 100 and 200, but I hated athletics. I loved footy. I loved playing yeah. rugby. I loved cricket. Individual sports was never my thing. So, yeah, I, I did. And I, I, I ran some reasonable times and they wanted me to go off into state, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But running, I don't know, it just was never my jam. And I remember I, get, I got a run in the second 11 cricket in year 10 and I thought that's so much more exciting than playing yeah, yeah. than going off and running. So never really ran again. And then obviously <laughs> got fat. That's right, that's it. <laughs> so, out, you went out on your own terms. Yes, yeah, so, you know what? I went out a winner, didn't I? I love that. I love that. Same that's... as you. Did you, did you go out on your own terms? No, nah, I got tossed. I got did tossed. You... I got tossed. <laughs> <laughs> when was your last game? Oh, geez, I only had three kicks uh, in the last game. And you, you, mate, you knew it was over. So, like, uh, end of 2000, last game, 2009. And you sort of go through it. And I was very, very lucky to be able to play sort of the amount of, the amount of years you do. But yeah. uh, uh, one of the fans came actually and approached me and goes, Michael, I've, I've got your last kick of AFL football. And she actually <laughs> – Told she, you. Yeah she, yeah, she came up and she took a photo and she blew it up. She, yeah, so like you go to Shana's house, there's pictures of him, right? <laughs> so – so Big blown up pictures of him. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. like I was very fortunate. Someone else took my photo. Yeah. Unlike Shano, like taking his own photos. <laughs> this thing is about two metres long and it was my last kick of AFL football. And it just so happened to be a goal. Did you No, no, it just happened to be a goal. Out in the full. Out no, <laughs> mind you, I was three metres out, but it, yeah. uh, it went through and she took the photo and she was sitting in the crowd and it was just a – so she's captured this thing with the crowd and – this little black duck just taking a kick on the SCG. It was unbelievable. Have you got it now? You've got it at home? Still got it. Still oh, got it. Well done. And um, that was like, you know, so, you know, you're reminiscing and going back and all these things. And it's like, you know what? That last, we're talking about our last run, yeah. last yeah. kick. And it was like, it was just really, really impressive talk, that talk, you did. Talk me through, Mickey. Talk me about 2005. You win the first premiership for the Swans. The feeling to be part of that. You, you're a key member of that team for a number of years. But that must have been pretty special times. Oh man! Like I was doing a, um, I was doing a bigger and better podcast the other day, and um, <laughs> bigger and better. Uh, than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Who is this black? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was on with some famous people the other day, <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, it was they, they they brought it up. They went okay, the O five Grand Final, and then you go through the West Coast Swans, I guess. 
um, rivalry over a number of years, every game, I think it was like uh, seven games decided by 10 points or less. Yes. Something ridiculous. And you go through it. And every, I think everyone really enjoyed the combat of that. And you might not be a footy fan, you might be a basketball NRL or cricket fan, and you go, well, watch this game, and it's a really tight, I'm playing on you, you're not getting kicked, you're saying the same thing to me, and it was just on, it was like, it was actually ridiculous, and when you actually bump into the guys now mm. um, uh, at a restaurant or having a beer, and you just, and, and they no. just they just sort of give you that look, and they go, and you, you know what, it's actually a really yeah, sort of respectful thing. Yeah, I've, really I've got to tell you, and uh, the guy doesn't even know. So I've got a bottle opener. It's, a, it's the greatest present I've ever been given. I reckon it costs 10 bucks. It's a Swans <laughs> 2005 oh. premiership bottle opener. And every time you take the top off a of beer, yeah. it does Stephen Quartermain's last 10 seconds of the call. Wow. Right, so, you know, uh, ball, um, who throws it on the left? Uh, uh Coxie. Coxie throws it on the left. Bird goes, and yeah, Leo Barry, you yeah. star for the first time in 72 years. The Swans are champion. Great. Right. Mate, it's unreal. It and is. Stephen Quarterman, who's a mate of mine, comes to my house for lunch. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're halfway through a seventh bottle of wine. I'm like, mate, <laughs> you, have you ever heard this? He never got a dollar for it. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> He'd never heard it before. It Leo Barry, you star. That is a moment. And do you know it? what? Like, we go out having a beer on that exact stuff. Like, we're, we're, what are we, 10 years retired? So another 15, 15 years, years right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we'll go and have, a, again, a meal or something, and Leo will go to wash his hands or buy a beer, and he'll come back, sorry, boys, just uh, <laughs> yeah. carrying three beers, floating past people, and then people who have no idea who Leo Barry is, and they'll go, oh, Leo Barry. Yeah. You and start. You start. The boy from Deniliquin. It's, uh, just in, and Leo and I got the Swans at the same year in 94, at the end of 94, and uh, our wives are great friends and just right. one, of, one of the all-time great guys as well. What a mark. Did he have his a... eye, do you reckon he had his eyes open when he took that? Oh, if, you, if you pause that thing, the mark is the mark. Now, then it actually should have been a free kick. My Irish brother, Ty Canelli, is pulling Ashley Sampy with a jumper. Yes. And he's so it should have been a free kick. Should have been a free kick. Ashley Sampy. Right well, yeah. do you know what? Like, but that's the game, right? It was so bloody tight. And it's, we, quite, we joke about it. Often now, when we we get on the drink every sort of three days, um, <laughs> it, it's 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 amazing. And um, and then you got to rewind Ty Canelli's journey there. Yep. So yeah, Leo yeah. Barry's the mark, and then Ty Canelli, and then like, oh, this is incredible. But that the culture of the Swans during that period is as good as any sporting culture in any team around the world. I reckon it's, it's such a strong, committed bunch of guys yeah. who really fall for each other. And what what have you taken out of that now into business life? Oh, it's so. So I own a essentially a cleaning business, and we clean all the uh, Australia Posts, and a lot, we do all the ACT for the government. It's very, very humbling, but it's amazing because we're creating opportunities for for our people, and it's amazing. I just hired my brother the other day, and he's um, he was looking for a raise. And uh, <laughs> like all yeah, brothers, yeah, yeah, like all brothers, you know, what I'm yeah, about, I, yeah. I ain't fucking two live in my house. Oh. <laughs> How much do you just want to whack them off? Yeah. Like, you get the, get the hell awake. Um, but it's it's amazing. So, um, it is very, very humbling going from what you learned at sort of Swans Land, and, yep. and obviously, Paul Ruse is a massive part of that. Mm. Before that, I had Rodney Eden, and before that, I had Ron Brassi. So, Ron Brassi, yeah. pretty elite threesome of coaches, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and it's just, again, like. Uh, <laughs> When I got to Sydney in ninety end of ninety four, ready for the nineteen ninety five season, Ron Brassi was calling me Martin O'Loughlin, at, <laughs> and and you walk down the, the hallway and he goes, "Hey, g'day, Martin." I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah, hey, <laughs> Just going to go with that. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Barassi. I do, yep. Mr. Barassi. <laughs> Who am I to correct Ron Brassi? And it was just unbelievable. That went on for about three months. And uh, someone had to remind Ron that it was actually Michael. And uh, <laughs> How old were you in 94 then? I was 17. So your first season you were 18? No, no not, not as it is like nowadays it's 18, 17. So, so you changed your name to Michael at 18? 18. <laughs> <laughs> Too bold. Um, but that's – you get to this joint and you go, what am I – doing here yeah. this place is a rabble they're on the bottom of the ladder yeah. and the coach is calling me martin and <laughs> i'm like mum i don't know if they know if i'm actually here so <laughs> you ring back home to adelaide and it was just uh, it's amazing and then where we are today and you mentioned sort of the, the culture but that took everyone thinks overnight two years that yeah. happened no, a long time over a long period of time man yeah it's like running a business like yeah it doesn't happen overnight. Well, that's, 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 next, that's my next question, talking about how – Well, maybe I should run the podcast. You I should, should do, mate. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. Yeah. That's how you go from, from a, originally a journalist, Stu, yeah. and then deciding to, even though you're cadet of the year, go over to – I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go to France now and learn about viticulture. Yep. And you start a, a PR firm. And then, for whatever reasons, you decide then to go into create your own gin, yeah. a, now a world-class gin business. Yeah, look, I mean – I think you follow your passions, isn't it? It is follow your passions and it's also fortune favours the brave. I don't know what it was in me that made me always want to go and do my own thing, but it was pretty early in, in my life and I don't know where it came from. And I mean, it's, not my, it's not like my, my dad was an entrepreneur or anything like that. Actually, it's interesting because my, if, I, if I think about my, my, my old man, he'd always done jobs that I don't think he'd always wanted to do. You know, he was a chartered accountant and he'd always had sort of management roles. And I think, frankly, he'd always wanted to be a publican because my grandpa was a baker and a publican. Right. And I think I've got it in me as well. I've always wanted to be a publican. I've always wanted to – I love hospitality. I love having people over, getting them drinks. And, you know, that's why having this bar in Surrey Hills now is just – honestly, I love it, mate. I'm cleaning the toilets between shifts and, you know, I just think – I love being in – a publican, and I think my dad's There's something business over here. If you yeah, can. well, maybe, maybe I can get your guys to come and do it for me because I've done it once and that'll do me. But my grandpa used to own the Cricketers Arms, which oh, is the pub around the corner, yeah, right. right? So, the, the great thing is about 70 years after my grandpa in the 50s owned the Cricketers Arms, I've got a, I've got a bar that's maybe 200 meters away. Good so, I, I love that story. Damn. But for me, it's always been, um, have a crack, like have a real go. And I mean, I don't think I ever fit the mould where I was going to be a long-term employee of a company and stay in the same job for 20 years and just slowly climb up the ladder. I was too annoying for that and a little bit too agitating and a little bit too, frankly, of a wanker to be able to do it for I'll other people. That, so you, and, and you take that <laughs> – you know, I would never have survived in the no dickheads policy regime of Paul Roos. No. They would have said, clearly a dickhead. You're, you're out, Mark. He's out. <laughs> Could have been. The most gifted athlete in the squad. There's a few of us. One under the under the under the, under the thing there. Like we so were. Yeah. Was it really no dickheads? There must have been a couple. Uh, do you know what? That came from Kinnear Beatson, who is the Swans national recruiting manager. Now Kinnear came to my house at 17 as the Brisbane Bears recruiting manager, mm-hmm. and goes, "We like you, yeah. and we're going to draft you at some point. <laughs> we just don't. We just don't. Have you. You're not going to be the first one, yeah. but you might not be the last. So it's somewhere in the middle." And he's just held – and I spoke to Kinnear uh, two days ago, one of the all-time great, great men in AFL footy. Been there for, oh, 40 years. Is he still in Brisbane? No, so oh, Melbourne. So he's now the National Swans recruiting manager. So he, him and John are very, very tight. Stays down in Coogee, down at the, uh, down at the hotel there, and um, always ringing me up for a pizza and a beer. Nice. And they just discuss talent. So talent. It's quite amazing that you go through – 
all these things that you – there's only 100 spots a year for, for AFL players yeah. every year. And doesn't matter if your father played, your grandfather played, doesn't matter. But there's 100 spots and if – Talent just speaks volumes right now. Big time. It's unbelievable. And he goes on about it and he'd be a great guy to get on your on your. Is uh, talent just that natural skill combined with a, a, a dedication, a, a, like an, an a attitude? Li- a little bit of grunt. Yeah. Got to yeah, have that. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know what? It's like it's, it doesn't matter what sport, what profession, what business you're in. If you've got a work ethic and you've got a, a, a want to, to, to yeah. get better and improve, yeah. you'll be sweet. Because yeah. you never hear – it's always a funny saying. You hear people say oh, – that, that young kid, if, if only he had a bit of, you know, determination, a bit of discipline, he could, he could have been anything. Yeah. They never say, geez, that kid's the most uh, mentally tough kid I've ever met. Like, if only he could catch. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, they they never goes the other way. Uh, yeah, and, correct. and it's funny we're talking about this. They said that about Adam Goods. Mm. They said, this guy's too soft. Yeah, right. It, this guy has no idea what's – but it's actually, hey, mate – I got you. I'm going to teach you how to do these things, and your athletic ability and your talent that, or your DNA that your mum and dad gave you, yeah. that will shine through eventually. But I'm going to show you how to do it the right way to do it. Yeah. It's like doing right arm over. It. Someone shows you, gives you a little cuddle instead of you can't run, you okay. can't jump, you can't bat, you can't bowl, no. you can't kick, you can't. You it's amazing. Timmy can't, dude. I see something. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to help you with this one. Yeah. So that's what happened with Adam. Every, every, the knock on Adam, and he went forty. 47, 48, 49 in the draft. Now, if they did that draft, he'd be number one draft pick in the yeah, land. That's right. And the, But the knock was, how do you be, be a professional at 17 years of age? Yeah. So it wasn't too <laughs> – he actually got to Sydney. I was like, dude, you and I have got to stop going to cargo bar. We've got to do <laughs> – yeah. we, we got to do – we got to, we got to start knuckling down and do some training because there's some – there's some talent here, so it's, too. But he had the ability to turn that on, though, didn't he? I mean, he obviously 100%. didn't lack that determination and that grunt. But you get, and then the flip side of that again is he didn't play footy till he was 15. Wow, he's number one uh, game, and he still plays it to this day uh, on one on one league is soccer. So he's playing nine aside right. soccer, yeah. nine aside soccer, and talented we, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no good at it, but like, but, but, like he could goal keeper, wouldn't he? He's, 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 he's playing really well. He plays really, really well. Uh, no, he's terrible. We play and we play Monday nights basketball in Ramwick and uh, basketball. It's it's hilarious. The, that competitive nature. Yeah, yeah, it's always there. It lurks. And who's oh, better at basketball? You or him? It lurks. I do. I'm the captain, coach, and <laughs> I pay the fees. I pay the and fees. I've oh, heard your daughter's pretty good at basketball. Uh, no, she does her thing, and but she 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 hates watching dad because apparently I'm too loud. And all right, you can. But she can, can play that. She's doing really really well, and it's it's a thing about young people, right? It's the sport just, and we all know this. They it teaches you other things. Yeah, hundred percent. So we're really fortunate. Yeah. So you talk about um, learning on a job before. Um, it was good to hear that, and give him the sort of structure. Is making wine similar to making gin? Making like, wine is and, much harder than making gin. Yeah. So, so how I can make gin, right? I can't make wine, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's that way. But, but is the process the same? No, it's entirely right. different actually. Okay. And one of the reasons why we stopped making wine in the early two thousands and started m- making gin in the in you know we made our first gin in twenty thirteen is because. There are so many variables when you make wine from the from the cli- start with the climate. Yep. Right? You know, places that used to grow grapes that are now either becoming too hot or there's rain or there's bushfires or there's floods. I mean, the climate, without telling people something that they clearly know, the climate's buggered at the moment and you just can't rely on the climate getting you the, the grapes ripe, gotcha. ripe and when you might have wanted them to be. Um, it's also a, 
it's a long process. You know, it's a long process from growing the grapes. I mean, you, you've got to get great weather conditions from September when the buds, when the when the grapes burst. Yep. You know, right through the season, through the, over the summer, and then you've got to that, get that lovely ripening period. You know, over the autumn, and then you mm-hmm. pick the grapes, and then you make, got to put them in the right barrels, and you've got to make them the right way, and then you've got to hope that they go good, and then maybe a year a year later you'll release them. You cork it's, those it's, things, yeah. I mean, and then you stick a cork in them, mm. which you don't anymore. Yep. You put a screw cap. If you stuck but in the old days, you would stick a cork in them, and the cork could. Fuck Fuck it up, <laughs> basically, without you, you, no involvement of yours whatsoever. So, and and then there's twenty five hundred, maybe three thousand wineries in Australia. So many. When we started making gin, there were maybe ten gin distilleries well, in Australia. A couple of hundred. There's now. now a couple of hundred. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the growth in gin in Australia is unbelievable. But mm. for us, wine, which we still love, and we still got, well, many of our best mates are still winemakers, whether it's in the Yarra or Gippsland or up in the Hunter or whatever. It's really hard. And making gin, we thought that. We could have a bit more fun with it. I feel like the spirits industry and cocktail bars can be a bit more fun than wine. Sometimes one of my criticisms of wine is it takes itself a little bit too seriously. Yes. You feel like you've got to sniff it and swirl it and yeah. pay homage to the sommelier and all that sort of stuff. So we're trying to Whatever. strip that away. With yeah. gin, you know, well, I wonder why want guys a gin do that. I want yeah. a gin and tonic. Yeah, I mean, wine is such a great drink, but they take it so many – too many people take it too seriously. Yeah. I blame I, the French and the English. And, yeah. I was born in Oak Flat, so we don't take it seriously. Good. Good. It's a great <laughs> – mate, it's one of the great drinks of all time, one of the great beverages. I'm from Barossa Valley. Yeah. Like, yeah, where so you, where, where, yeah, where were you born? The Brossa, the yeah. Brossa. So Salisbury, up the road. Mate, I know Salisbury. Yeah. Well, well, I went to Roseworthy. The, so, you know, Roseworthy the, College. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah in, in the I mid-90s. That. That's where I met my wife. Wow, Jesus. So, so saying that, I used to follow that. Saying that, you like, I used to be a Newry Tigers fan, mate. Oh, I don't know about that one, but- Are you uh, Central? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, no. Which was their hub, sort of. Yeah. And some great players come out of that joint. The Brossa. Oh, I know the Newry up Guys, very, very well. Yeah, mate. Very, very well. So, Stu, i got some questions. I went on, I went on to the uh, Four Pillars website and I looked up- Don't think I've ever been on Botanicals, it. right? <laughs> now, I, lo- I looked at what botanicals that you guys use yeah. and, I, and I know a few of them. Yeah. So I know cardamom. I know that's a cardamom, queen of spice. Cardamom, I know, cardamom, I know yeah. about juniper. But what's Angelica? What's Angelica? Hubbock? Jolie. What a grains of paradise. Angelique. Well, well, how about that? I don't know how to pronounce. Is it Angelique? Cubbit. Cubeb. Cubeb. Oh, Cubeb, sorry. Cubeb is a tail oh, pepper. Je suis le professeur. Si vous voulez, je peux parler en français maintenant. Remember, I did go to France. Yeah, that's right. You said yeah. that earlier. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> across all of our gins, so we make 10 gins at the moment, and I reckon we've used 80 or 90. 10 gins? Yeah, yeah. So we've got, you know, we've got the rare dry gin, then we've got the bloody Shiraz gin and a, a spiced Negroni gin, and we've got barrel-aged oh, ones. And we've got, a, mate, we've got a heap of them, and then we've got some that we've made for special bars. And, Damn. Um, we use, I reckon we've used upwards of 50 native Australian botanicals, and that's the thing that excites cool. me the most. So Qubeb is actually an Indonesian yep. tail pepper. So it's a little peppercorn. It's got a little tail on the end of it, and it's really spicy. And Grains of Paradise is a sort of a North African spice. So both of those we use in a, in a gin called a spice Negroni gin. You know what a Negroni is? A Negroni is, is, is gin, campari, and sweet vermouth. And four of them last night. There you yeah. go. So you need the gin to be kind of spicy and powerful to stand cool. up against campari and vermouth. So we made a particular gin using a lot of those spices there. Angelica is a root that sort of binds together flavours. You know, we also right. use orris root sometimes, which is a, the, the root of an iris, you know, the plant, the flower, the iris. Yep. Um but then we'll use we'll use Davidson plum, we kakadu plums. We've used um, lemon myrtle, lots of different myrtles. So we use a lot of Australian native botanicals as well. And it's well, that's I think the most exciting thing for me about gin is that you can make all these incredible drinks using Australian ingredients that others other you know that means it's different gin yeah. to the, what you get in London, different gin to what you get in America, different gin to what you'd be getting in Asia. So yeah, those we we'll be using upwards uh, of fifty or sixty botanicals. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to order. Can I eat a four pillars gin, please? <laughs> do you stock that? 
You don't? I've got a Four Pillars gin here already. Oh, thank you very much. Well, thank you very well, while much. we're here, we, we might order some food as well. Um, I'm going to have the, the cheese souffle um, in, into the beef wellington. I, I, I could vouch for it, boys. Okay. And we order, I'll, I'll go the same. You know what? It's, it feels locale. Yeah. It feels, it feels <laughs> it's very good. It feels very good. Well, you throw some Dutch carrots in there as well. Just to, yeah. uh, Dutch courage? What? <laughs> That's right. What? It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch with Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com. Just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. You want a fun fact? Here you go, Mickey. Dutch courage comes from gin. Because right. when, the, when the Dutch would go to war, so gin comes from Geneva. So gin is actually Dutch before it was English. So most people think it's English because of Tanqueray yeah, yeah. and Beef Eater and all that sort of stuff. But it was actually Geneva. They sold it originally. Yeah. No, and the Dutch, when the Dutch went onto the throne, you know, the Dutch sat on the English throne for 30 years. Yeah. William the Orange, he brought Geneva across to the UK. Uh-huh. So it became Dutch courage. So the, yeah. the, the English would be fighting the Dutch and they would be saying, what is it that gives the Dutch courage? And then they found out it was this drink because the Dutch would get on this Geneva, have a couple of goes because you know Dutch courage basically means you have a few drinks yeah, and you yeah, get punchy. Yeah, yeah, and well, 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 double Dutch. Yeah, right. double yeah. Dutch. Yeah, it's all about Dutch courage. So that's them drinking gin. Damn. There you go. The so gin gave the term Dutch courage. Yeah. Do you have a favourite gin cocktail? A London Calling. Can I have a London Calling? <laughs> Please. <laughs> We've got London on the line. Just go ahead. <laughs> no. Apart from the fact it's a great song. Yes. The well, Clash. Song. What's in a London Calling? I love it because it's got sherry in it. Wow. No one drinks sherry anymore. It's a daggy thing. But sherry. It's got, it's got lemon juice. It's got a little bit of sweet sugar syrup. Yep. Heaps of gin and dry sherry, just fino sherry. Fantastic. It's a great drink. Shaky, shaky, shaky. <laughs> Whack on the clash. Will you have a, will you have a, calling will, it is. Will you have a gin pretty much every night? Like as in, like a, you know. 
No, no. You, you know, like well, you know, breakfast. Is this a confessional? I mean, am I? No, 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 because I. If it was me, I, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing it's not you. Yeah, correct. So you know what? Weirdly, because now we've got the bar in Sydney, yep. and you know you'll always have one or two gins there. I'll tend to go home and drink wine if I'm going to drink anything, because otherwise you just go gin yeah. into more gin, and it's too much. And I mean, you you do have to look after yourself as best you can. Mm. You've got to try to stay a bit healthy, and yeah, there, there is a point where you can drink too much gin. But yeah, I mean, the, I I drink enough gin. I had a gin with my mum yesterday at lunch in Bondi. Nice. Bloody Shiraz gin. That was bloody delicious. Yeah, so the bloody Shiraz, that's interesting. It's going well, isn't it? Mate, that'll be our number one selling gin in the, around the world in, 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 so in, in, in a year's time. So you the gin onto the red wine? On, no, onto Shiraz gin. grapes. So yeah, 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 the grapes. So yeah. it's nothing to do with wine or barrels or anything else. You just pour the gin straight over the grapes, stir it around for about eight weeks, press it off, and you get, the, you get the flavour of the Shiraz grapes plus gin. Boom. Great idea. Genius. Cameron came up with yeah, that. Hey, cheers, man. Yeah, That's, cheers. It's, cheers, and, boys. And this is very, very smooth. What are you having there, a little cheeky Chardonnay? A little cheeky Chardonnay here, oh. yes. Um, so, Mickey, tell, tell me about the, the Go Foundation, exactly. Woods O'Loughlin Foundation, and what you're doing there, mate, because you're doing some fantastic work. The foundation's going really – like, it's, it's actually going really, really well. Um, ultimately, it, it was uh, an extension of what you were doing at, uh, as footy players and, mm-hmm. and, and going to schools and, and doing clinics, pretty much. And we thought – Adam didn't know this, but I sort of put him into it. Um, and it's a Go Foundation, it's a Goods O'Loughlin Foundation. I, I wanted to make it the O'Loughlin Goods Foundation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Og. Og. <laughs> Og. That was my thing. And he said, no, two brown ladies, and I think I'll call it Goods O'Loughlin. <laughs> so that's how that sort of ro- that, that's how that rolled out. But, mate, we've got oh, – look, this started off as a trying to get back to community because a lot of people have helped Adam and I on our journey. So our first gig was – we put up a um, playground in um, Wentworth in Mildura and we thought, how good is this? So it was the, the, the playground was literally next to the health service so the mums and dads can get health checks and the kids, instead of sitting on the hip, they can go and play on the wow. playground. So that was a, a game of golf with the guys at uh, the old Mitre 10 and they, they installed this thing. It was unbelievable. So then the community came back to us and said, well, we need a fence around it for protection. So I had to play another game of golf. That's your golf game. Ah, oh, not terrible. <laughs> the, uh, Adam thinks he's VJ Singh, but um, <laughs> we got r- a little bit better at golf. But that's how it started. And, and we were running on, a, on I guess, on the smell of an oily rag. And the swans came on board and, and you know, it's just the, the support that that happened over those couple of years yeah. that really set the scene. And, mate, we've got now – I've lost count. We're, we're probably up to four, nearly 400 kids in schools. Wow. And we started off in that private sector. And then Adam and I are both products of the public school system. Yeah. <laughs> we took it back home to Adelaide, back into my old primary school and my old high school. And it was just brilliant. Like going to the principal's office saying, hey, we're, we're going to give uh, 50 scholarships. Compared to when I went back there, Stu, you know, when I was back actually in school going to the principal's office was yeah. a really a different, different story. Reason, yeah. I was going for good news. Yeah. And uh, that was awesome. And Was that like Salisbury High? Or yeah, so Parallel High up the road from Salisbury. Would have been a pretty tough school. I well, oh, well, I know across the road was the – I won't even go there, but it's the Snowtown, Snowtown um, disasters. Yeah, yeah. So we won't go there. Um, so but it was just out of Salisbury, yeah? Literally – a minute up okay. up the road, so next suburb really, and it was that was great. So going back to your old high school to go, guys, ex student, we're gonna we're gonna put some kids through school, and basically we look after fees, uniforms, especially if you're in year 10, 11, 12, we we'll look after the Wi Fi so you can do your do your online study. Brilliant laptops. 
We've got young adults in, in university that will go on. We want them to become leaders pretty much. So that's a lot of pressure, right? As, as a sportsman, you, you're, you're given responsibility and you have expectation of your family and your friends and, and the crowds. Doing the fantastic Indigenous work that you're doing, that's a lot of pressure, mate, to, to keep that going. It is, but you know what we don't do? We don't, we're not, we're not, we don't humble ourselves enough. And mm. what I mean by humble, I mean you've got to think about the, the story about like we live around the corner from each other or you've moved, moved on to big, bigger and better things, but uh, <laughs> about eight million bucks worth. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Where'd you get that? Uh, just the rumours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like housing commission, yeah. housing commission, the grandfather owned a pub, the cricketers arm, like – these are just unbelievable. Mum raised six kids yeah. by herself, and just and the best thing that ever happened to me was when my name got read out in the draft, and I did not want to come to Sydney. I hated the Swans. Yeah. I hated their colours. I hated their song. They were terrible. Look, they were shit. Yeah, and I did not. I did not want to come to Sydney. And my mum goes, "You're going." Yeah, good on her. And she packed the bag, and she put me on the plane, and I'm like crying. She's like, "You're going to thank me later," and I'm going to come to collect. So we built Mum a house, and uh, <laughs> good on you, Mum. Uh, yeah, I oh, look. It was just good on her. It was just a. It was like all mums do. She knows what best best for you, and that was the turning point. After that, moved in with Maddie Nix and yeah. Simon Arnott in Kensington, right next to Gay Waterhouse, Todman Avenue. They're the stables. Yeah, stables. Yep. yep. Live right next door, and that was uh, that was it. I was like, oh, that's not it's not too bad. Yeah. Then the footy rolled on, the training rolled on. Ron Barassi was calling me Martin. And, <laughs> and look at Nixie. He's coaching he's the worst now, team in the AFL. And uh, <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said that to Nixie. I said, like, dude, you want to go back to Adelaide? <laughs> but one of the all-time great guys, Matty Nixon, he's like a big brother to me, and you know him very well. Yes, I do. Mm. Shano, and um, he's now the head honcho. And without Nixie, I wouldn't have stayed. And then because I stayed – then you've got Brett Kirk, who got knocked back three times, and you've got Goodsy comes in and goes, dude, um, we're related. I'm like, yeah, hang on, let's just slay your roll yeah, a little bit. We're, yeah. we're, let's just, we're not all blackfellas are related. Yeah. But just, <laughs> so where just, was the relationship? Just, was it were your cousin, second cousin? He's actually – he's actually. I've been in the league uh, three, four years maybe, three years, that's three or four years. So every – watch the draft to, to see who your team drafts. So they went through the, the process and it got to, oh, Adam Goods. And mum goes from the kitchen, because I'm in, I'm in Adelaide and time off, and mum goes, oh, that's, yeah, that's our relation. I'm like, oh, come on, mum. What never heard you speak of anything about the Goods family before. No, that's a Sandsbury and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So went out, got the, the old uh, telephone book and said, yeah, there, there is, uh, address book, because you need to talk to him. And I'm like, what? Like right now, mum's like, yeah. So- Dialed the Melbourne number. Wow. Rung it. Say, hey, Goodsy. Well, Adam. Yeah. It's Michael O'Loughlin. Martin O'Loughlin. Martin O'Loughlin. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and Imagine Goodsy. if there was a guy called Martin O'Loughlin who should have been drafted. Poor Blake's homeless at the moment. He's no still job. sitting in Halls, Salisbury. <laughs> Where did all go wrong? Wrong bloke got drafted. And, and the, first word, the first words out of Adam's mouth were, was, hey, we're related. And I'm like, hey, hey, just calm down. Yeah. Let's just talk through this. I'm just welcoming you to the Swans. I'll see you in four weeks' time when we all come back to Sydney and you'll get the media run. But I've got you back. And from there, this kid never played footy. He played two years. That was it. Played soccer, as I mentioned before, then played footy for two years. So the knock on him was, you know, all these things. But 
man, you, and you know, you know, Goodsy Welsh, yeah. too. Like, it's mate, the guy's six foot three, can run like a yeah. five foot eight, and got every attribute you'd love yeah. if you're looking at a talent or a player right now. This that's that's the one you you put that's your what you want. that's what you put your money on, and uh, he got to Sydney and he made a horrible start of his of his first year. Didn't play one game in his first year. The guy oh, played no. three hundred seventy games. 370-something games. Didn't play one game in his first year. Wasn't good enough. And we're all shaking our heads here. And you're, you're, you're like, you're drinking, but that's – <laughs> <laughs> He's but, drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to point out, so well, are you. Yeah, on that note, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, boys. But uh, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. I think – That's it. That's it, mate. We had some we had some beautiful lunch now at Kingsley's Australian Jesus, Steakhouse. Did we even say anything that no, was of use? I'm ready to go. But uh, no, but I want to thank you both. You both have stories of you know really following your passion, working hard. There's no there's no shortcuts. Although we've probably all tried a few. But this is the thing, like you you do all the stuff that and you you go through the the process and you come out at the other end uh, after bowling for Australia and and. and you know, winning gold for Australia and gin and playing a couple of games for the Swannies. You come out the other end and you go, the relationships you've made over that journey is unbelievable. And that's the thing that I – I don't miss playing. I don't miss playing at all. I miss the locker room. Do you miss your neighbour? Well, I didn't get any <laughs> four-pillars gin coming this way. I'll tell you what I'm going to – I'll tell you what I am going to do. I like this O'Brien's Pale Ale. This thing's yeah. pretty good. Mate, yeah. that's a great beer. That I'm on the O'Brien's Lager. Uh, yeah, yes. you're on the Lager? Yeah, I'm on the Lager, mate. Oh, they gave no, me the Pale Ale. This thing's pretty nice. All right, boys, lunch is served. Off Thanks again. That's it for Lunch with Lee. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Michael O'Loughlin and Stu Gregor. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And thanks to my junior reporter and post-lunch entertainment officer, Mike Willisey Jr. for his help. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. If you're passionate, leave a review. Next week, we'll be changing some more stars from different walks of life about sport, music and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then.